0: Welcome, this is Philippe Albuquerque. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery. Today, I'm delighted to have Marco Culasordo and Diraj Gandhi on our podcast. They are co-authors on the manuscript entitled Predictors for Large Vessel Recanalization Before Stroke Thrombectomy, The HALT Score. This work was conducted at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Welcome, Marco and Diraj. Thank you again for joining us.
1: Thank you, Philippe, for inviting us. Uh, It's really our honor to be here.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure. Prior to our discussion, I would like to have a word from our sponsors. Rapid Medical pioneers the only responsive neurovascular devices for greater control of procedural success. Now with best-in-class deliverability, the Tiger Retriever 17 Adjustable Clot Retriever provides the lowest delivery forces across 3mm devices. Combined with the unique ability to reduce the device during retrieval, why choose between safety and efficacy when you can achieve both? So let's just uh, quickly get started, uh, Daraj. If you could uh, tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea of this study, what were you noticing in your clinical practice that pushed you to uh, develop this uh, this HALT score?
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, Philippe, I would like to acknowledge all my co-authors on this manuscript, especially Marco Calasero and Alvin Chen, who were the joint first co-authors on this manuscript. And put in a lot of work in this. The idea of coming up with this study, as well as constructing a whole scoring system, came from just some hallway conversations. And I remember last year, me and Marco were in two different cases within a period of one week where we came in to do thrombectomy. And even though the patient was not improved in terms of NIH stroke scale, but uh, angiogram prior to thrombectomy revealed open blood vessels. And um, as we took a little bit of a deep dive into the literature, uh, we found that our current understanding of large vessel recanalization prior to endovascular therapy is really quite limited. Uh, and, and so uh, we came up with the idea to study the patients that were admitted to our center over a period of time from 2018 to 2022. Uh, and we looked at predictors of large vessel re-canalization.
0: Excellent. Uh, some of the factors that you identified are are quite intuitive and uh, others uh, a little less so. Can you describe the factors that went into the creation of the HALT score? Perhaps, Marco, you could chime in on that.
2: Sure. Um, uh, our methods were uh, were pretty intuitive. We, we just devised a retrospective analysis of all the patients who presented to our institution for uh, endovascular thrombectomy, uh, but ended up not receiving uh, mechanical thrombectomy because they had spontaneously recanalized. Of the 640 patients with confirmed large vessel occlusion strokes, um, 57 had large vessel recanalization before EBT. This was diagnosed with mostly with DSA, in 45 patients and, and CTA in and, and the rest of the patients, while only two patients had, had clinical improvement. We then divided the population in, in subgroups, two subgroups based on the presence of, of large vessel recanalization. And, and we um, then identified factors associated with recanalization by looking at our build-up database, retrospective database. We then identified independent associations using a multiple linear regression model. And we ended up with with these factors that that built the HALT score uh, which are basically site of vascular occlusion, intravenous uh, uh, thrombolysis treatment, time since intravenous thrombolysis initiation, uh, atrial fibrillation, and hyperlipidemia. We obviously considered other common factors uh, such as stroke scale, age, diabetes, um, antithrombotic home medications, but these were not significantly associated with, with large vessel recolonization before mechanical thrombectomy.
0: And on your multivariable analysis, that enabled you then to um, grade and weight each of these individual uh, factors?
1: Yes. So. What what we did is, once we identified the four independent predictors of large-vessel recanalization, we then looked at the magnitude of correlation coefficients in the multivariate analysis. And based on the magnitude of correlation coefficients, uh, we could come up with 8-point false scoring system. Uh, It is presented in Table 2, and using this score, we noted that if the patients had Low scores, such as zero to two, there was almost no likelihood of vessel recanalization. Uh, in our study, it was less than one percent, actually about zero point three percent. Whereas with high scores of seven or eight, we had nearly forty-six point seven percent rate of recanalization. This whole scoring system allotted one point to presence of hyperlipidemia one point for presence of atrial fibrillation, and the location of occlusion was given different points based on the vessel occluded, such as if it was internal carotid artery, it was assigned zero point, M1 was allotted one point, M2 was allotted two points, and it was if it was vertebrobasilar occlusion, then three points were allotted. If the patient had received intravenous thrombolysis at least 1.5 hours before initiation of EVT, then it was allotted three points in this hall scoring system. Uh, this scoring system had excellent predictive value with area under receiver operating curve of 0.85.
0: That's fantastic. It, um, I found this to be quite uh, interesting, though, as I mentioned at the outset, and Marco, perhaps you can weigh in here, some of these factors were a little counterintuitive. One was the hyperlipidemia. Perhaps you can discuss a bit in greater detail how this particular factor uh, could be predictive of uh, large vessel recanalization. The mechanism behind
2: uh, the association between uh, hyperlipidemia and higher rates of of recanalization is unclear to us. could be associated uh, with certain clot composition profiles uh, that can be more favorable to lysis, um, which is probably also the same mechanism uh, through which atrial fibrillation also comes into the scoring system. Um, on the other end, um, it could also be biased by prior use of statins. Although hyperlipidemia is among the major risk factors for adverse outcome in uh, cardiovascular and cerebrovascular diseases, uh, positive association with the use of statins um, has been seen with the greater proportion of good outcomes in patients undergoing mechanical thrombectomy uh, by, by also recent studies. Um, so definitely, uh, regarding the role of hyperlipidemia, future studies are, are required to explore the pathophysiological mechanism
0: underlying these factors. Certainly, yeah, especially since it's such a common underlying disease process for, well, uh, all over the world, but specifically in the American population. Diraj, you did mention in uh, your introduction that the diversity of your patient characteristics that are admitted to your institution improves the generalizability of your predictive model. Can you discuss this in a little bit greater detail?
1: Yes, so we have a hybrid hub and spoke as well as direct admission model at our hospital. And uh, in particular, in this study, 63.4% of patients were transferred over to our institution from other spoke hospitals or other nearby hospitals that called us for endovascular therapy. And 36.4% of our patients presented in house to our emergency department. Uh, We have an emergency bypass in place in Baltimore, just like many other big cities. And if the patient is within 30 minutes of transfer time to our institution, and have LAM score of four or five, they are brought directly uh, to our comprehensive uh, stroke center. So we have a nice mix of patients that have presented directly to our hospital, as well as those that were transferred in. And within both of these subgroups, about half or maybe a little over 45% were administered TPA when patients were transferred over from other institution. And about 40% of patients that presented to our institution receive TPA. So when we look at the study population, it's a very nice mix of real-world data that is expected to be seen at most institutions. And also, I will add that if you look at the histogram uh, in the supplemental materials, there's a wide variability of patients in terms of receiving TPA, uh, so some and, and then it, range, it ranges from 30 minutes to over five hours. So uh, we have a nice mix of patient population that should improve generalizability of our results.
0: Excellent. Um, yeah, I found that to be um, to be, I think essential in the manuscript that it really is a diverse patient population, including some that have not received. IV tPA. Marco, perhaps you could discuss how this model may guide the neurointerventionalist on when to perform repeat imaging, uh, especially in the setting of uh, patients in your study who did have large vessel recanalization, but the vast majority of them did not show a significant change in neurological outcome. Sure. So this is a
2: actually a great point. Um, one of the variables that we analyzed was clinical improvement. And uh, we also attempted to build a flowchart uh, that can guide uh, interventionalists for uh, repeating vessel imaging in, in acute large vessel occlusions. And uh, surprisingly, only a minority of our large vessel recolonization patients had rapid and significant clinical improvement before um, uh, angiography, before coming to the angiosuite. Um, and, and based on this finding, we also thought that comparing clinical improvement in patients who went for EBT uh, and actually uh, had mechanical thrombectomy would yield would very small differences. So from our study, we are actually finding that lack of stroke, sc- stroke scale improvement does not necessarily imply uh, lack of large vessel recolonization. Regarding the, um, the flow chart, Uh, to propose a decision strategy um, for uh, repeating imaging, Um, our HALT scoring system is reliable in identifying patients unlikely to achieve large vessel recolonization before mechanical thrombectomy. As as Dr. Gandhi was mentioning, only uh, uh, 0.3% of patients with a low HALT score uh, actually achieved uh, recanalization. And those patients might benefit from, from going directly to the angio suite, even considering the new ongoing
0: and, and recently published low aspect trials. Yeah, another thing I found interesting was that you, you discussed that this work could potentially guide patient selection for future trials on bridging thrombolysis. Diraj, maybe you could weigh in on this and, and perhaps tie TNK into this and, and, and how perhaps the, the HALT score would have to be modified with uh, the ongoing usage of TNK in many centers now. Yes, certainly.
1: Of course, there have been a number of trials that have looked at the utility of bridging thrombolysis uh, versus direct to angiography uh, and thrombolysis approach. Uh, many of these studies have failed to show superiority of one versus the other um, And so when it when it comes to uh, performing bridging thrombolysis, a number of factors uh, perhaps uh, could be important in this decision making. Uh, on one hand of this on on one side of the spectrum would be patients such as those with very large, clot burdens like internal carotid artery occlusion that presents to your emergency department. If you look at our Hall scoring system, a patient like that has virtually zero chance of being recanalized within the time frame that you would take these patients for endovascular thrombectomy. So what our Hall scoring system could do in future is to identify such populations that are unlikely to have any benefit or very low benefit from uh, bridging thrombolysis, perhaps those patients would be more appropriate to go directly to endovascular therapy. Such type of sophisticated modeling has not been performed uh, to date in the bridging thrombolysis trial. So that is uh, what we hope that once we externally validate, or if there's external validation of Hall scoring system, this type of information could guide uh, the construct of future bridging thrombolysis trial. Now, regarding your second question uh, of place, there is definitely some anecdotal evidence that suggests that place, because of its very convenient bolus dosing, um, could result in uh, quicker recanalization of um, of uh, intracranial clots. And so it is possible that this scoring system may, f- may need to be altered in the future. So uh, currently we are using the time cutoff of 1.5 hours. And we believe that vast majority of clots don't recanalize within this time because IVTPA infusion takes generally one hour. And so perhaps we don't realize the full benefit of IVTPA within uh, that time window of one and a half hours, perhaps the uh would shorten that time window and we would certainly like to look at it in the future.
0: Sure. Um, you touched on the point of uh, external validation. Do you see that, uh, diraj or Marco, um, to be the next step? Are you starting to look at these patients now prospectively with the application of your HALT so score? So obviously
2: the, the HALT scoring system performed uh, optimally in our, our uh, population but definitely we will need to explore and and um, test um, with an external validation data set our scoring system and we're hoping to um, continue um, enrolling patients and and uh, expanding our database with uh, potentially a multi-center um, cohort to to
0: externally test and validate the, the scoring system sure Yeah, that certainly will be important going forward. So, again, I'd like to thank our authors of this manuscript, Marco Colasurdo and Diraj Gandhi, who are part of a team of authors, uh, including Drs. Chen, Schreier, Galid, Kunte, Miller, Echerian, and Malhatra. Thank you so much for your time today. And again, this manuscript is entitled predictors for large vessel recanalization before stroke thrombectomy, the HALT score, and as I mentioned earlier, it is currently on the JNIS website and will appear soon in a print issue of the JNIS. Thank you, Diraj. Thank you, Marco, for your time today.